0: Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission.
1: Welcome. This is Math 154. Anybody? This is parenting and grandparenting for peace and justice. And so I'm telling you that because I have been at Home Field Advantage in the wrong room before, and there will be no hard feelings if you jump up, figure out where you need to be, and I can even help you with that. But if you are all here for parenting and grandparenting with peace and justice, welcome. I have bad news. This may or may not help the fights that happen in the back of your car. (laughs) (laughs) This talk will not help your children get along any better and grandchildren. (laughs) But here we are, Lord. Let's go ahead and start in prayer. We'll just just take just a quick moment of silence to just... Bring our hearts and our minds here. I you know we just had a fun tailgate experience, and just give us a moment to just be fully present to the Lord and to each other as we enter into this special topic. Good and gracious Lord, thank you for gathering us today as your people. Please nourish and strengthen us as parents and grandparents and other loving adults to do your will. Help us to shine your light into our dark world, so needing of your goodness and love. Amen. So Welcome. For those of you that may not know me, my name is Sharon Fabianic. I'm the coordinator of elementary formation here, so I do the littles to grade five and all of the programs that that uh, encompasses. Um, On my own, before I was here at St. Patrick's, I was a teacher for many years and worked in public schools and in Catholic schools, and then I'm blessed with four children of my own. They are 12 about to be 13. Sorry, those of you that just were at my last talk heard this already, but (laughs) 12 about to be 13, 10 about to be five, and we also had the um, just really beautiful opportunity to foster two of our nephews. So when I talk about the experience of having a teenager and then you look at my kids and like she doesn't know anything, I got experience of having a teenager and then you look at my kids and like she doesn't know anything, I got one into college. So I do know a little tiny, tiny morsel, but that's it. And here's Sandy. See, I'm going to, Sandy was gracious enough. Some of you may have been expected to see my mother because it said that there. I'm, it was a I'm placeholder. Adopted. We knew we wanted a, a grandmother because how I, it would be awkward for me to talk about grandparenting and what I think that should look like when I have no idea. So Sandy signed on and joined in, and I'm so glad that she did and so grateful to her.
0: Let's see, is that working? Okay. I'm, I'm Sandy Myers, and I'm the, um, I have the parish nurse ministry here at St. Patrick's, and um, I have the honor to have five grandchildren. Um, I have three that live here, and those are the ones that I have the more cl- the closer relationship than my ones that are distant. And I know if you have grandparents that lived away, it's it's different than if they're in town. Um, one of the things when I did this, and I thought when Sharon asked me, I thought, now, am I when I talk about grandparenting? Am I really doing what I said? So I checked out with my daughter to get her approval first, and because uh, I because one of the things that I have my husband and I have both tried really hard is that that fine line, that boundary between being, we're the grandparents, we're not the parents. And so that part of that, I said to my daughter, I said have I ever like overstepped my boundaries as a, you know, a grandparent? And she said no. And she thought it would be great that I talk. So there you go. (laughs) Okay. And I feel she would have told you the truth. I think she would have told you the truth. (laughs) And you know, it's interesting because the kids I have, the ones that live here, they're they're uh, 17, uh, 14, and 12. So I, I've, I've gotten through the little kids as a grandparent, and now I'm into the teenage years. Mm. So
1: what kind of compelled our time here together today is just the concept of peace and what does that look like, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with justice. But I just wanted to share a little bit why that I'm so passionate about that. Um, in the year, I guess it was 1999, don't quote me if you're writing a paper, but... <laughs> Um, how many of you remember Columbine in Colorado? It's hard not to remember. I was pursuing my, uh, my master's degree, and I lived two miles away from Columbine when that happened. Uh, fast forward a few years, September 11th. I know I don't have to ask for hands. I know you all remember that. And I was in New York for my uh, best friend's wedding, and I was right there as that happened. When Sandy Hook happened in Connecticut, My oldest child was a kindergartner. And I remember, and I was right here in Scottsdale, and I remember driving to our school to sit in the parking lot. Because even though it wasn't happening at our school, I felt like it could be. And I felt that solidarity with other parents in other places. And so I started to really just kind of toy with this concept of peace, and what does that look like in our world? Because sometimes, And I won't keep going because we'll just leave her depressed. But But those three experiences really impacted me as a parent and and many subsequent experiences. But just that uh, we are not just raising up adults, that we are raising up a, a generation that hopefully will do better than those before them, that will live in love and mercy. And so when we talk about peace, you know, not just talking about the concept of the absence of war or the absence of conflict but peace that comes when we treat each other as brothers and sisters. That when I look at you, I know that you were inherently made with the dignity and the likeness and image of God. And that even if I think you are the worst driver in the world, (laughs) that I can respect that piece of dignity within you. That uh, if I can't stand that you don't get your kids out of the pickup line fast enough, that you're the mom that gets out and hands your children their lunches and kisses each one of them and I'm late for work that I still look at you and know that you are made in the likeness of Christ, and that I am compelled to treat you as such. Wow. So how do we go about teaching kids that? Because I struggle with that in my 40s. It is not an easy topic. But we know that that true peace goes hand in hand with justice. So today we're going to break open uh, just the seven key themes of of social justice, and what that might look like in our homes as both parents and grandparents. Uh, how do we live that in a very practical way that our children will, will gather? This is not a political message. It's gospel living. Okay, so it's, it's modeled after Jesus. So we'll be talking about that. Um, you only have to drive down our streets in Scottsdale to see inequalities, and we'll just be talking about how we approach that as parents and grandparents. Sorry, Sandy. <laughs> so one of our th- first themes is that God made each person so every life is important and should be protected. And sometimes with siblings, that just means protecting them from each other <laughs> as they want to fight. So how do we do that as a, as a family? What does that look like? Um, another theme I'm going to mention, because we're going to talk about these two together, is that God made everyone So even beyond our real brothers and sisters, our siblings that are biologically ours, that we are all brothers and sisters in God's family wherever we live. And so wherever we live, not just in our neighborhood, but on earth, that God made us. So what does that look like? Well, in our home, it starts really young. It starts, we like to celebrate human life, and we always say from womb to tomb. And that starts with our children knowing that they are made by God. And so it starts in little tiny ways, uh, getting a small toddler out of the bath and saying, you are a precious gift from God as as you towel them off and you dry them off and you send them to go put on their pajamas. It starts in that little message. I don't think in our world our kids can hear enough that they are a gift from God on their best day, on their darkest day, reminding them that constantly. Celebrating. How many of your families love celebrations? doesn't matter what you're celebrating. But those celebrations are important. They build those bonds as family members. Um, And then another huge piece that we're going to break open several times is coaching our children on conflict resolution skills. Being angry, frustrated, mad are all a part of our everyday experience as human beings. We have those feelings all day, every day. Well, how do we approach those feelings in our family setting together? How do we approach those at school, on the playground, at the dance studio, on a team? How do we do that? How do we manage those emotions? I know we laugh about the term of helicopter parents, but I think we all know it is a lot easier at the park when your child is in a conflict to walk over there as a parent or a grandparent and to fix it. Isn't it a lot easier than coaching our children, getting down to their level and saying, Okay, well, did you say this to him? Did you tell him that your feelings are hurt? Did you own that? Did you say you would like to play with the sword now? Could you have a turn when he's done? Have you said all those things? So coaching our children versus fighting their battles or doing it for them. We all know it's that, it's that image of cleaning the house that I struggle with, that I know it's so important that my children need to do chores and learn how to do these things. But oh gosh, is isn't way faster for me to just do it myself. <laughs> We don't always like the results of what that looks like. But how important it is when I can coach, speaking of my children, what a disaster this is. <laughs> my husband came to call me out and say, fake news. No. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Anyway, I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna turn it over to Sandy for a second, and we'll switch over to the, to the role of grandparenting in those items.
0: You know, as a grandparent, I find what, what I have always done is I try to do the same things that, that my daughter and son-in-law do with the kids. So I kind of try to keep the same rules. I should say that we've taken care of our kids, our grandchildren, since uh, they were a year old. So that it wasn't like they just came, you know, that the saying is, you know, you could spoil them and send them home. Well, when you have them five days a week or three days a week, you can't do that. <laughs> So, um, but one of the things I looked at when we looked at these first two about the dignity of uh, the human person, and I got to find my next page here, guys. I lost it. Okay. Um, That um, I was thinking about, well, how did I learn that? You know, how did I teach it? And I, you know, Sharon talked a little bit about that, but I'm thinking about, you know, when we talk about from birth to tomb, or not from womb to tomb, I call it conception to uh, natural death. (laughs) But mine but, rhymes, but so hers, it's way hers, rhymes. <laughs> mine doesn't rhyme. You know, nurses don't always rhyme. So anyway, <clears throat> I thought, well, how did I learn that? You know, and how would I teach my, my, uh, my grandchildren that, and my children? And so I thought about when I was um, 11 years old, my grandmother, um, I don't know what she had. I think she had a stroke, but I'm not sure. And she, she, was ta- she didn't talk right, and she was disoriented. I was 11 years old. But what happened in our house is my grandmother came to live with us, and we didn't have another bedroom. So our family room became the bedroom. And um, the piano was there, and so you'd practice with grandma in there and everything. And my mom took care of her. She worked all day. She had somebody come and sit with her during the day, but at night she had to take care of my grandma. And my grandmother stayed with us till she um, till she died. And then um, and then I thought, well, then when my mom got sick, I took care of my mom. And um, when my grandmother got my other grandmother got sick, my aunt took care of her. You know, so that it was like you kind of learned that. And I'm seeing now in my daughter's family that um, my, my grandchildren have a great-grandmother on my, from my uh, son-in-law, and they go over and they visit her, and they, uh, you know, they call her, and it's all, it's, so you see that full cycle that she's now living with his parents. So I think that's a way we teach people about the value of life, and I think it's we teach it when, uh, when you're pregnant. Uh, you know, when, when you're pregnant, you start celebrating right then. People said they celebrate. Now we have the uh, the birth parties, the Is gender that, reveal. The gender parties. reveal. Excuse me, I'm not in with that. My
1: exploding grandchildren exploding balloons. With I'm not, balloons. not politically
0: balloons. correct there, but uh, but this, the two scriptures I use that have always affected how I think we treat people was one from Sirach, and it says, "My son, be set fast in honoring your father. Do not grieve him as long as he lives." Even as if his mind fails, be considerate of him. Do not revile him because you are in your prime. Kindness to a father will not be forgotten. And I think you can add that to mother, grandmother, aunt, uncle, whoever. And the other one is from Romans, and it says, be devoted devoted to one another in love. Honor another above yourselves. And I think that's That's how I do my grandparenting with my children and my grandchildren. Well, not with my children, but with my grandchildren. Okay. I think I got all. Oh, I have to do, oh, I have to introduce the next theme. Um, It's a good thing we have notes. Okay. Um, The second theme is God made us to be part of communities, family and countries, so all people can share and help each other. And tied in, that, that, that was just one, right? Okay, um, With that one, we look at how we organize society, and it shows how we um, honor people, you know, so that we have, um, we honor their dignity. And so we look at, um, the one that I really wanted to look at was marriage and family. And I think in our country today, sometimes marriage and family is not looked upon well. and But we're called to... Look at family as the, and I'm going to read this from the, the teachings, that uh, the central social institutions that must be supported and strengthened, not undermined. And we believe that people have a right to participate in society and um, for both the common good and for the well-being of those that are poor and uh, have let, are vulnerable. And as grandparents, I, I look at it as that um, we have a, for me, you know, the nuclear family is the most important, the mother... F- the, the father and the kids. And a job as a grandparent is to support them in their endeavors, not to, uh, you know, not to criticize them or say, uh, you should do this better. <laughs> um, I try not to do that. There's sometimes I think it, <laughs> you know, then maybe, you know, I did it this knows. way, you know, <laughs> but that's a challenge as a grandparent. And I think as, as the parents of kids, I think it's a challenge of how do you, um, how do you interact with your parents and your in-laws, and, um, and travel that torturous path sometimes. There you go. I have my own. Oh, that, I'm sorry. I forgot. She has her own.
1: Um, so God made us to be part of communities, families, and countries, so all people can share and help each other. How many of you find that your children are natural sharers? <laughs> got one? Love that child. Go home and really... <laughs> So, again, modeling that. I'm sure you have from the time they were little. Realizing that we don't begin with that innate desire to share. Maybe some of us never get to that desire to share. But that we may start with perhaps taking turns. You know, that is another way to share. That we set the timer and you use this for 20 minutes. Then you use this for 20 minutes. And then depending upon how many kids you have, that can be a long time before you get another turn. But uh, the idea of taking turns and how that works and how... That there's a limited amount of resources, and one of those key resources in your house may be uh, your Nintendo Switch. (laughs) But it also may be time. It also may be time. And so when I hear um, what Sandy kind of just read to us about sometimes the family uh, being undermined, sometimes it's good things that undermine our family. Sometimes it's our children's sports commitments. Sometimes it's school, have any of you ever had a homework project that you felt was maybe a little bit undermining your, your family life? I mean, we can be honest here. It's a safe, sacred place. <laughs> I will not be videotaping you and passing on to your schools, but I will, I'll own that as a former teacher and mom, that sometimes homework can be a big interruption into our family life. So how do we pursue that? How do we say it's okay that our student's assignment doesn't look like maybe I did it for them in our garage? And that I let it be a little bit less so that we can have that special family time. Um, things that you're already doing are helping your children to be a part of communities, being a part of scouts, a part of your school community, honoring days that make you nuts like spirit days when they're wearing crazy socks and you're like, are you kidding me? It's Monday, you need crazy socks? But honoring all of those things, letting them know that your community matters, being there for our community on the hard days, the meals you make when somebody has a baby or has an operation or has a death in the family, that those all matter, that we share that with our kids, and it's not something that we're doing, but it's something that we as a family are doing. We are doing this as a, to bless another family because they have a need or an exciting a celebration to do that in our community. Being a part of our church community is a huge one, honoring that church community. On the day, I know your kids don't have that, but on occasion, there's been times where my children did not want to come to Mass. I know you don't know that experience. I won't speak on it long. But But letting my children know that we don't always come to Mass for ourselves. We come for the community. We come to be together. We come because maybe that helped someone else get out of bed that day and come to Mass. That we come to participate and share our greatest longings, our prayers together. And to put those petitions together. We come to pray with our communion of saints. And that that's an important thing that we do in our Catholic community as we come together, and we, we come to Mass, we worship together, we pray together. We pray for one another. When we can't physically be together as a community, that community relationship doesn't stop. It continues. And so sharing that with our children. Sometimes we as an adult, um, my, one of my children uh, is getting to an age where sometimes my, my private conversations with my husband have become very interesting. And uh, like, oh, what are you guys talking about? So... <laughs> we're trying to use that time very wisely because it's, it's, uh, that may be the only time we have her attention. So <laughs> uh, utilizing that time with grandchildren, too, that when we have a high-interest topic, that we be uh, kind of very intentional in our casualness, but being intentional about talking about important things and, and why we're praying for other people and other things that, that other people have. Um, absolutely. I
0: told you I was going to interrupt. you I was a lot. thinking like um, she she triggered something. I was thinking about for intentional topics. As your grand as my grandchildren have gotten older, we become a source. Sometimes they talk about things. They ask questions. The, I think the car rides are the best. Uh, last week the the car ride was on abortion though, and you know and the kids were asking about you know what my beliefs were, and so I think as a grandparent and as a parent, when when the kids ask that question is. You know, answering it at their level so that um, they they do know that it's safe to talk about and it's safe um, and that you're going to listen to them and you're going to answer them truly. And we have many different kinds of conversations. Some of them are, I was talking with them, peace. Grandchildren fight, too, with grandparents. I just thought I'd tell you in case you didn't know. Not with each other, not with the grandparents. And it's not always peaceful there either. So, okay, Sorry.
1: That just ruined all of my dreams about what goes on with my kids and my parents. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm so disappointed. No, I'm just...
0: It never ends.
1: Um, but going back to just that idea of community, and I think we know as grandparents and parents, it truly does take a village. It takes that you know, that's how we get through the day. That text message to your friend, is it really crazy sock day or is my child just wanting to wear these socks? Like, is this, (laughs) I can't find the flyer that they sent home six times at school. Can you help me out? (laughs) I recycled it because I can't handle my paper clutter. It's gotta go. (laughs) So, um... but anyway, that just concept of just participating in a community and knowing that that is a value and that that's important and that we care for one another in it. One of the next themes, we actually put two themes together, but is a theme that um, we see all the time here in Scottsdale. God wants us to help people who are poor, who do not have enough food, a place to live, or a community. That is our job as Christians to do that, to fill in those gaps for people. Um, and I know sometimes there's, you know, it puts us in dilemmas as parents and grandparents as to how do we do that? You know, we cannot pull over at every intersection and, and handle the needs of the people right in front of us. But how do we do that? And so, um, not to go too deep into prayer, because if you just went to my last talk, you're over it. But one of the huge ways we do that as in our family is we can't always stop and give in, in the moments when we see it, but we can always pray for that person that's there. So that's one of the things that we're able to do is just pray. Let's pray for this person. We know that they're, uh, no matter what their story is, whether they are Uh, truly homeless, truly mental ill, a panhandler. We don't know their story, but we know that whatever led them to be on this corner is is not a a great situation, so let's pray for them. Um, Addressing hunger when we can address it. I'm sure many of you are familiar with things like compassion bags where you put together a bag that has... uh, a bottle of water, a granola bar, maybe there's a $5 gift card to McDonald's, a chapstick, a toothbrush, some human need issues so that you do have something in your vehicle that you can pass on to people as, as they come into it. And then as our children get older, one of the huge things is to, you know, we start kind of our serving. I don't want to go too deep into serving because that's my next theme. But we serve in the home. And we don't, our kids don't always feel like it's serving. They feel like you're punishing them, but might be projecting a little bit, but But the idea of serving, that we bless each other by unloading the dishwasher, that we bless each other by putting out the napkins and and silverware at the table. But as our children get older, it's so vital that we then take that service into the community. So going to places like St. Vincent de Paul, from ages five up, they can go to Hearts and Hands Day. A lot of those are craft exercises and stuff like that, but that they are serving people who are in need and then continue to build on that into their middle school and teen years, other great experiences, Uh, I have the opportunity to work with our fourth and fifth grade students here. It was probably about three years ago, we had a speaker come in and she was from a program that helped people with transitional living, people that were transitioning from homelessness to um, some rent controlled apartments and that's what she did for a living and we were going to help her with a service project. And she started talking and the kids were excited and they were listening and they were doing a great job and one of the little girls asked a question and she said, uh, well, why, are, why do so many, so many of the people that you work with not have a home? And so this woman shared, well, it can stem from many issues, you know, high school dropouts. The whole room was kind of like, what? They did not understand that graduating from high school was an option. I mean, these are kids in our community here at St. Patrick's that already know uh, have plans of where they'd like to go to college, even in fourth grade, as low as where their parents went to graduate school or, or uh, higher education even beyond college, and that that's on their agenda. You know, that's, they don't really realize that there's other ways to live and that, that there's other choices and other barriers for other people. So just that awareness issue. Um, sometimes the giving is what we can physically do and we can physically help. Other times it's just awareness. Um, for example, every, Lent here from St. Patrick's. If you're a prisoner, you get a package in the mail. One of the things that you always get is a, uh, a rice bowl, uh, little, or actually, sorry, we do Habitat. It's a Habitat for Humanity. We do, right, yeah. So there's, there's multiple options. But even that sometimes a financial giving, but the Habitat one comes with a calendar and it kind of says different things on different days and it's kind of fun for kids. For example, you know, if you put a quarter in for each bedroom in your home or if you, you know, put a dime in for each bathroom and so they, it kind of becomes a game to them. But um, just in doing that, that there is... Um, it just in, 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 Sorry, in doing that, that we're supporting the other. We're supporting that deeper part of our community, we're recognizing that, and this links back to the first theme of recognizing Christ in the other, and that we're caring for those that are needing to be cared for in our society.
0: I want have pull you up. One of the things, too, with um, working with, uh, you know, the poor is uh, parents are so busy. I mean, you have so many things going on. So sometimes, as a, a grandparent, that's um, where my husband and I have uh, helped our grandchildren to understand more about service. Um, we're at, we're really actively involved with um, Saint Joseph the Worker and Andre House, and um, we have brought we have taken our grandchildren when they were of the right age to down to Andre House to serve the, uh, to fix uh, to fix a meal and serve a meal. And I, I guess one of the times that reminded me of uh, how important what I was doing was I was sitting at the table in the um, dining room where people that are um, more um, less mobile, they might have some you know, wheelchairs and walkers and stuff, and um, I was talking to this man who somebody had brought in who was, uh, had limited vision, and we were talking about, he was new, and we were talking about different kinds of services. I was doing my nurse thing, what can I say? And... Um, And I didn't even realize that my granddaughter that I had brought with me was listening to every word I said. And it was like, and she commented, Grandma, you know, you were so nice to that person, and you were really interested. And I thought... Isn't that what we want to teach our kids? That people that um, are down on their luck, if you will, that they're just people, and they're hurting, and they need help. And I thought, I guess I'm doing my job. So it made me feel really well. We also do, and it kind of goes with the worker one, too, but I'll do it right now. St. Joseph the Worker is another one, and that one you can do with even little kids because they help people get jobs that um, have, um, that are down on their luck, if you will. And um, there's this hike in March, and um, we've taken the kids since they were like five. You know, you just take the, there's a little hike, and there's a big hike. So when they were little, they take the little hike. Now they're big, and they're, they hike faster than me. But they know that that's to help this organization, and to help people get jobs. And, and so it doesn't, you know, they don't have contact with people that are homeless. They don't have, or anything, but they still have that that idea of taking care of other people. Okay, okay. Are we, switching we got off track, so
1: don't go away. Where? Don't go away, Just but a... I'm, gonna, I'm gonna introduce the next one.
0: All right, was this work for, uh, am I supposed to be doing that? Work for? I'm gonna steal it from you and then bring it back, So don't go far. It? Okay. So our next
1: theme is my favorite. She's
0: keeping me in, tr- in line. My next,
1: <laughs> I'm the one that put the transitions in and I blew it, so. <laughs> my next theme is my favorite, because my kids, this is not their favorite.
0: Which one is it? Which Work one is, it? is
1: important in God's plan for adults and their family, too. Work is important. Uh, I would think my children would not feel they feel that recreation is important, uh, personal rest time is important, outdoor time is important, social media, technology time is super important. But work is uh, what their parents should be doing. So <laughs> this is something that you're all living in your house every day how does the distribution of work? And I'm here to tell you today that it is good and holy for you to ask your children to do chores. It is good and holy. So you can say you got that out of today. It is good and holy for me. Sorry, Miss Sharon said when I went home that <laughs> everybody line up <laughs> because I'm giving out the jobs. But it is good and holy. And how do we do that on a daily basis? Well, sometimes we talk about that as that we do need to offer it up, like, yes, I know no one wants to go to all three of our bathrooms and take out the trash from those restrooms, but you're going to offer this up to God. I'm not above bringing up Jesus on the cross. (laughs) I'm not above it. Um, But what does that look like? Because again, I can fall really easily into, I can get this done a lot faster myself. I can very much slip into that. I can slip into thinking, we don't have tons of time today. I don't want to spend it arguing and fighting about chores. But how important that is. And the, dig- and the piece of that is important is not the work. It's the dignity that we give our children in that they are capable, that they are able to be productive members of our family, that they have worth and value in doing those chores. And not just because, you know, I like the bed made this way and it was good enough. I'm not talking about nitpicky chores because I could be that person too. But just that we all have a contribution. Um, so I have failed at chore charts more times than I can say. My husband's here. He can nod. Like, we do not do well with the chore. We're not the chore chart family. In fact, if you have a good one, I'll look at it and go, how nice for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> because I know we're not good at that. But we are good at things like, we're all going to help for this next hour. Here's a list of jobs. When you finish one, cross it off and take another one. We're good at things like, I need you to do this specific chore. I need you to do this specific chore. People do have jobs that they do every day. My son Max is over there like, I have a chore. He, he feeds our dogs every day and takes the trash out every day. And he's really good with that type of consistency. My daughter, who is a very active, involved in a lot of things, doesn't do well with having a consistent chore because we'd all be like waiting like when is this going to happen so she's very still very helpful but not that way so we honor our families by letting them help by um e- and not just letting them help but expecting that that that's okay that that is uh good and holy and that we give our children dignity when we ask them to be helping see she sat down too fast i knew that was gonna happen
0: <laughs> i'm just worried about her we have less than that. I don't know. Um, what are we doing now? Oh. Number seven. Oh, number seven. This one, we hear about this a lot in, in society, too, is the, the world was made by God, and we need to, cre- we need to pr- care for all of creation. And when I say we hear it in society, we have Earth Day. Okay. Um, I was, Sharon made a whole list here. I was thinking of Earth Day. You know what I do for Earth Day with the kids? I take, a, I take them to the zoo to the Earth Day. <laughs> Activity because I think it's good and they and they also and we recycle and um, we talk about how how it is to save um, save our precious resources and um, my daughter actually is is in science and so uh, she uh, her kids are brainwashed into Earth Day (laughs) stuff and I'm going to let Sharon talk more about what what you do with um, with your kids.
1: This to me is the easiest theme. I keep forgetting. forgetting. I've got this weird Madonna microphone. Um, This to me is the easiest one that society right now, today, in 2020, really supports. You know, this is a this is a theme that is actually easy to live. Probably more than ever before to help to help love our earth and to take care of creation. Um, But it 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 has a lot of different themes in our home. Cleaning up after ourselves. How many of us are really good at that? Like to, We'd love to do a project. We'd love to take that out of the closet, bring it to the kitchen table, make something, and then uh, maybe leave it there. <laughs> so cleaning up after ourselves. Um, experiencing the gift of the Holy Spirit in nature. Experiencing that awe and wonder in God's presence. Wow, what a beautiful creation of God. Sometimes our children, that's not their, uh, that's not their immediate response to nature often. They're not like, wow. They're like, are we going to go now? Are we moving on? Will there be ice cream in the gift shop? <laughs> so just, uh, just ha- helping them to experience that, pointing out in their lives. Um, you know, if you're a camper, you know the expression, leave no trace. You know that you want, that when you go into the wilderness, you... If you pack it in, you pack it out. You don't leave your trash. You don't leave. And I'm trying to adopt that as just our life principle of leave no trace in the living room, <laughs> in the kitchen. Just leave no trace. You should always leave it exactly the way it was when the you started. Car. It should be better. Um, but that the world was made by God, so we take care of creation. We take care of humanity. All of these, all of these huge big things. So. All of these seven themes, I know we group them together for time, but all of these seven themes are really just for me form in the gospel of just what love looks like. And whenever I need to think of what does love look like in God's image? What does God give us as the perfect example of love? I think of and this is we have a different church, so I think of Jesus on the cross. The greatest love story ever. How how I am worthy of that I will never know. But I, I try to share that with my children as that deep, deep love that just surpasses all understanding and that there's our five minute warning. I was ready for it. We were, we were, we were ready for you, Marsha. Um, but that deep, immense love and that God doesn't just have that love for us but desires us to have that love for each other and for our creation. So that theme just kind of to bring it all down into one. It's that deep theme, and that's hard to live on a daily basis with our families. But kind of all of the little tiny things that we do as parents and grandparents, all the little things that feel like exhausting (laughs) in the day-to-day really do matter and are really so important. And you're doing such a beautiful thing in raising your family and in loving your grandchildren. It is such a gift to God that you do. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but it really is. So... um, So you are parenting for peace and justice already. And so we could have gone and done a whole weekend retreat on conflict resolution and helping our kids to that. But in the 45 minutes that we have, I just want you to know the little things matter. Those little things matter the day-to-day. Approaching that, honoring your family in the day-to-day, and helping them to look and see the dignity in others really matters. Um, In a few minutes, Sandy is going to wrap us up in prayer we are going to, we have four minutes. I have announcements. We have a prayer. I want you to just really quick talk to um, somebody around you. It could be who you're here with, or maybe it's a stranger you just met. But just tell, uh, just, just one quick takeaway that you would take from this talk, that you would take out into your life, into your day. Go ahead and talk to someone around you really quick. Because if you don't do that, you have no hope of mem- remembering anything that happened here. <laughs>
0: I love that.
1: I'm, I'm going to do announcements and then we'll
0: pray because yeah. then we can go. So do you.
1: (laughs) All right, we'll bring it back to large group. Sorry. Our dream was that we would have more time for interaction, for questions and answers, but 45 minutes evaporates. If you've ever spoken for 45 minutes, some of you are like, that sounds terrible. But the rest of you, <laughs> but if others of you, if you speak, 45 minutes is like uh, nothing in the world of speaking. Um, so we'll do a couple of announcements just that are global St. Patrick's Home Field Advantage announcements, and then I'm going to give you a little tip for this, and then Sandy will wrap us up in prayer. Thank you so much for being a part of Home Field Advantage today. Thank you for coming. We are so honored that you would spend the day here with us in in our adult formation conference. We would ask you to please take a moment of your time to let us know how you felt about the day. There is a website on the bottom of your name badge. Yes, I'm reading this. And so it's basically our home field. It's our website slash home field. If you would take the time when you get home, or on your phone right now, if, you, if you're like me and you got to do it now in the moment so you don't forget, to just go ahead and take the online evaluation. We changed some things this year. We did things different. We had our tailgate party instead of lunch. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you thought that was terrible. I don't know. But I welcome you to share your feedback with us. Tell us what you enjoyed. And you help us to improve each year with that. We really do take that seriously. So if you're ever wondering, is this worth my time? It is, because we really do read that and filter that feedback. Um, your name, name badge gets uh, turned back in, but we ask you to just take the lanyard off it. We're concerned with, not concerned with, but we'd love to have your lanyards back because that's how we live these seven themes of Catholic social teaching is by saving these again for next year. We do wash them, don't worry. You can keep the part that has your name and proudly display it somewhere so everyone knows you went to Home Field Advantage. And then finally, and this is probably the, actually it's the second most important If you enjoyed Becky Eldridge today the way I did, I so enjoyed our keynote speaker, and I hope you all, I only got to hear part of it, but I hope you all got to hear the whole thing. She has two other experiences while she's here that we would love for you to be a part of. One is on Monday. It's a morning retreat from 9 to 1230. It will be in Fenland Hospitality Center, which is just adjacent to the church, and the theme is Making Hope Real. Then she's doing an evening reflection called "Praying Our Lives," and that will be Monday, February 10th. Same day, she'll be here in the church from 6:30 to 8. If you have a child in Rock 45 or Edge, your children will be here, and so you can stay and hear Becky and spend that time. There are ch- childcare opportunities for both events. Um, and then the last and most important announcement is right after we pray. Please, if you have a child in childcare, pick them up. (Laughter) I know, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you'd be surprised. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for the time that you spent with us today. We're honored.
0: I couldn't decide which prayer, so we're going to do two. Because what happened was Paul, if you were in Paul and Fathers um, before our, our tailgate party, he did um, a prayer from Mother Teresa that I thought so talks about what our our. our, our our faith journey should be in our journey with our families. It's, the fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service, and the fruit of service is peace. And then I I found one from Pope Francis that I You know, parenting and grandparenting is challenging. And so the um, I thought with Becky's tomorrow about hope would be like an important one. But um, this was uh, Pope Francis on hope. He says, life is often a desert. It is difficult to walk. But if we trust God, it can become beautiful and wide as a highway. Never lose hope. Continue to believe always in spite of everything. Hope opens new horizons making us capable of dreaming what is not even imaginable. Amen. Amen. And thank you very much for being here today for the whole day. We were very honored that you were, spent your Saturday morning here. Have a great day. And don't forget about the name tags. As you pick up your children
1: today, you can pick them up at the door for the classroom that they went into. There's a table right outside. You can sign them out there and then pick them up. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. <laughs>